Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. And my name is Jamie Loftus. And our podcast is about the representation of Women in movies. Women ever heard of them? Movies ever heard of them? No, neither. My new popping intro. <laughs> Thought of on the way here. I have two degrees in film, but somehow I've never heard of movies. Listen, I know. I I also went through the school, and uh, they just don't tell you about it. They don't. I'm excited for today's episode. It's another uh, hashtag current movie. Uh huh. Not. Our normal fare, but this seemed very warranted. Yes, this is important. Important. The show is. Oh yeah, what derived is the show? from? Hard to know, really. The hard. To, who? What? Who are it's we? A mutant what are we doing? at this point? <gasps> oh wait, no, she's not an X Men. I don't know how superhero movies work. <laughs> I was like, it's almost like she's a mutant. That's Mm-mm. not this franchise. No, 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 no. You no. know, I'm just gonna go bury myself alive. <laughs> Anywho, so right. <laughs> we use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point, and the Bechdel test for us, our version, there must be two female identifying characters with names. Mm-hmm. They must speak to each other, mm-hmm. and their conversation cannot be about men. And this is just a two-line exchange for us. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. But it's all it takes. a lot of movies manage to fuck it up. And a lot of movies in the universe we're uh, addressing today manage to fuck it up. So yes. it'll be interesting to dive in. Uh-huh. Uh, and the movie, of course, if you've clicked, if you've dared to click, you already know the movie is Captain Marvel. Yes. If you are listening to this and you have not yet seen the movie, we are going to do a lot of spoilers. So yes. um, just be aware of that. And also see the movie. See you the dork? damn movie. Come on. Seriously. I mean, I, the, the box of, if the box office is to be judged, they don't necessarily need you, but you should see it. This movie 
mm-hmm. we've made so much money. That's great. It's already made over $500 million. Wowee. Crazy. Hell yeah. Well, without much further ado, let's introduce our guest today. Yes. Um, she is the author of Super Women, Gender, Power, and Representation. She also wrote the foreword for the Captain Marvel issue of Entertainment Weekly, which is on shelves right now. Mm-hmm. It's Carolyn Coca. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's Any great to be here. Time. We're so we're so uh, psyched to have a true expert. Yes. On the cast. Oh come on. So uh, I guess before we get into it, uh, all of our experiences with this movie are, are relatively recent. Yes. Um, in general, Carolyn, how did how do you like the movie? Oh, I was going to tell you my long five-day history with the movie. Oh, yes, please. Let's unpack it. (laughs) No, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, No, I I did like it. And I think it's kind of like when I went to go see uh, Wonder Woman, I was more worried (laughs) than anything else Mm -hmm. going in and kind of relieved, even though neither is perfect, uh, coming out. So I'll just leave it at that for now. What's your history with the the property um, in terms of the comics and stuff? Are you super familiar? Have you read a lot of them? I didn't until, I guess, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I didn't read Captain Marvel growing up. I mean, I did read some comics when yeah. I was a kid. They were mostly DC comics like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. My history with Captain Marvel is pretty recent from writing my book and it was while I was writing it that the character was sort of relaunched as Captain Marvel. She had formerly been Ms. Marvel. Right. From you know, for like forty years before that. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) (laughs) And at the and you know, at the time they thought well, okay, it's a longer story, but at the time it was everybody working in comics except for like one woman at Marvel and one woman at DC, they were all guys. And these guys, I think, genuinely thought that they were creating a feminist character. And that's why they you, they purposely used the moniker Ms. Right. Um, right. And, you know, they had her first. She was a security chief at NASA. That's how she's introduced. And then later she's the editor of Woman magazine. <laughs> <laughs> that is the vaguest vagary I've ever heard. <laughs> No, she's a feminist. She's she she's works the at ed- Woman editor magazine. of Woman Magazine. That's right. I mean, the, the first issue of Ms. Marvel, she's fighting, um, you know, mean Spider-Man editor J. Jonah Jameson, who owns <laughs> Women Magazine. She's she's fighting That's him for equal pay, and he wants to underpay her. And she's like, "No, you want me? You're going to pay me this much." And he's like, "Okay, grumble, grumble, cigar chomp." <laughs> <laughs> I want to read that issue. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds really fun. And, and then he's like, so you're going to do uh, some recipes and some fashion? None of that, like, uh, women should be astronaut stuff, right? Women should be in the kitchen. And she's like, ugh. <laughs> Feminist icon J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really an ally to all that yes. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Um, Wow. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear more about the character as well because uh, I am not super familiar with the MCU, as mm-hmm. you can tell by the fact that I called Captain Marvel uh, one of the X Men. <laughs> but you, but you inadvertently said something accurate because there was a point at which she almost joined the X Men in the '80s. So we'll just pretend you knew that. Oh. Yes. Actually, I have a really deep knowledge. Yes. And of so course. I was. <laughs> that is a deep cut. Good job. <laughs> That's why I want to hear about that too i um <laughs> my history aside from seeing the movie twice now brag brag um is i admittedly did not know that captain marvel was a 
character or a comic book until I saw the trailer for this movie, mm. which we can kind of later on unpack how, you know, a lot of the superheroes who are women don't really make it to the mainstream or like mm-hmm. right. the most popular properties. But uh, yeah, we can we can talk about that a little for sure later. Um, I generally, I mean, I enjoyed the movie. I it was there's definitely stuff that I think is worth discussing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my favorite mm-hmm. movie ever, no, but it was one of those movies that, like, for the little things I was jotting down in the screening, I was sitting two seats away from like kids, and they were so excited. Oh, that's great! So, like, in that way, you're just I'm like almost crying. I'm just like in that way, I think that that it's great. And there was like a lot of young boys and girls at the movie, and they were all psyched. And it's like, yes, I have my critiques, but in general, I think it is a a, a good movie to have in the world and to have kids seeing. Agree. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also. I'm like. I thought it was good. It was yeah. fine. It wasn't great. Uh, now that I've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse six times, uh, I just feel a little underwhelmed by every other superhero. The new movie. metric. Good but, lord. But no, uh, there's there's a it's lot to talk about. It's important to compare women to men as much as possible. Absolutely. So yes. we should continue to do that. <laughs> um, anyway, should we do the recap? Sure. Okay, so we meet Veers. That's Brie Larson's character. I stand Brie Larson. Yes, I love Brie Larson. Big fan, big stand. She lives on planet Hala with the Kree people. Sure. And she has a power. She, like, energy comes out of her fists. She fights Jude Law, and, <laughs> and she's stronger than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she doesn't have any memory of her past from before she arrived on Kree. And Carolyn, does this line up, I guess, uh, before we super get into it, does this line up pretty closely with what her origin story is in the comic books as well? Or was were liberties taken? This is one of the times when liberties are taken in a way that actually make the story a little better. Oh, great. Uh, cool. So I'm not sure where to start because like her origin in comics is kind of what you don't get till about three quarters of the way through the movie. So do you want me to say it now or when you get there? Well, I guess we could say it when we get there. I just wasn't sure okay. if, if this was like a complete deviation or mm. pretty yes, close. She did, she did not live on Cree. She just Whoa. grew up human. And when she was that NASA security chief, one of the people who was working there was a man named Walter Lawson, mm-hmm. who was Marvell. Mm-hmm. In other words, Marvell oh. was a dude. Right. Oh, okay. And, and Marvell was the first Captain Marvel, and he was Cree, and he did kind of turn against the Cree when he was on Earth, and uh, he was fighting Jan Rog. Jan Rog took Carol hostage, and in this struggle where Marvell is trying to rescue Carol from Jan Rog, this machine blows up, and this machine imbues Carol with her powers and with Marvell's Cree DNA. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I like I was like, I know it's ridiculous. So much lore. Uh, <laughs> I know, but so you can see that what they did in the movie is an improvement on that. Totally agree. Yes. Okay. Yes, cool. indeed. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay. So she's hanging out on Cree. There's this supreme intelligence uh, that she goes to see for therapy i don't know what they do it's a very it's like a so i was just like okay so there's a green screen in play every time that scene would come it's like brie larson on a green screen awesome. 
And for Veers, this supreme intelligence takes the form of Annette Bening. Um, but Veers doesn't know who this woman is to her. She doesn't know her significance in her life because she can't remember her past. Right. So Veers accompanies Jan Rog, that's Jude Law's character, and some other Kree soldiers on a rescue mission on a different planet. And they're trying to rescue someone from these bad guys called Skrulls, mm -hmm. who are shapeshifters. And the Skrulls capture Veers, and they are trying to access her memories. And we see all these flashbacks of Veers training in the Air Force and hanging out with Annette Benning, And they're trying to figure out who Annette Benning's character is mm -hmm. because they're trying to find her and get their hands on light speed technology that she was developing. Right. Turns out her name is Wendy Lawson. Right. Mm -hmm. So Veers gets away from the scrolls and crash lands on C-53, a.k.a. Okay. Earth. God. Ever heard of it? So much. I mean, some studio executive took the nostalgia note to heart yes. in this movie. They're like, she lands in a b -b 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 -block blockbuster? <laughs> She's holding a v -v -v VHS tape? <laughs> You're just like, all right, I guess we'll get through this. It's uh, 1995 it's, when yeah, she ever lands. heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> and a few of the scrolls follow her to Earth. Mm -hmm. And then the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up, including... Coulson, who we all know and love, and Nick Fury, who we all know and love. I thought it was going to be so distracting to see youngified Samuel L. Jackson, mm -hmm. but they did a great job. I was yeah. just like, wow, he looks great. Yeah. And then it was like, no, that was that was technology. I was like, oh, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Veers is like, hey, Fury, Here's what's going on. There's these Skrull bad guys. They're shapeshifters, and then they don't believe her. She makes no effort to blend in with her surroundings. No. There's moments where Captain Marvel is great at her job, and other times I'm like, I don't know what you think you're doing, but you should probably. Anyways, I'm not sure. I don't, who am I to tell her how to do her job? Yeah, who are you? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so then there's this chase scene, and Fury sees this shape-shifting happening, and he's like, oh, now I believe her. <laughs> so then she and Fury team up, and they try to find Wendy Lawson, and they go to Pegasus, which I believe is like a secret military facility. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And they're in the records room, and they discover that Wendy Lawson is dead, that she died in a plane crash that killed another pilot as well. I wonder who that might be. Uh, or... She's in the background Ooh. of a lot of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> they discover that um, Wendy Lawson was Cree. And then, yeah, uh, Veers sees a photo of herself with Lawson mm -hmm. from, I think, like 1989. And she's like, oh, my God, there's more to this story than I realize. <laughs> also, very important to note, there is what appears to be a cat named Goose. Yes. <laughs> yes. How, many, how many nipples does a cat have? Okay. Well, as we know, cats have eight nipples. That's Cat Facts with Caitlin, Thank obviously. Um, but <laughs> Goose, there's more to Goose than meets the eye. Goose, goose is, is not a cat. Goose is a flurkin. Flurkins mm. have <laughs> 537 nipples. What? And that's flurkin facts. Is that true? With Caitlin. 
No, I just made that up. Oh, it's a bit. But it's canon now. Oh, okay. I was like, whoa, what are they using I Well, let me Google right now how many nipples. How many flurkins does a nipple have? Does that mean we get to give out 537 at the end? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The scale has been adjusted for the sake of the flurkin nipples. (laughs) Okay. So how many nipples does a... I don't quite know how to spell flurkin. F-L-E-R-K-E-N. Oh, K-E-N. Okay. I I had K-I-N. Okay. So flurkin. Welp. It says eight nipples, but it's this is giving me facts about cats and not flurkins. So unbelievable. So I can't trust this. Um, yeah. So let's go with what I said: eight hundred and thirty-seven or whatever I said. Five hundred. Five hundred thirty-seven. Okay, is yes. the new scale that we'll be using on the show from here on out. Sounds Excellent. great. Excellent. Okay. okay. So then, um, Fury's boss shows up at Pegasus. But it's actually a scroll who's no. in disguise. So Fury and Veers make a run for it. And they go to Maria Rambo. Because they're like, oh, there's, here's this woman who had given this testimony about this plane crash. So like Maria, she can maybe tell Carol's us something. BFF. Yeah, it turns out yeah. they were BFFs in the Air Force together. And Veers is actually named Carol Danvers. <gasps> oh, my God. The one thing I knew going into the movie. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and Carol learns that she had this whole life on Earth pre-Cree mm-hmm. times. She has a child that falls into one of the most annoying tropes in the world to be. Child who is wise beyond oh, their years. Like, yeah, overly <laughs> precocious child. The wise beyond their years child. Yes. Oh, but she's so cute. She is very cute. And her name is Monica. Yes. So... Talos, the main scroll guy, shows up at ben Maria's Benzelson? house. Yes. Got it. Shows up at Maria's house and he's like, Hey, fun fact, um, scrolls aren't the bad guys. It's the Cree who are the bad guys. And everyone's like, What? So we see a flashback of the plane crash mm-hmm. and we see Carol Danvers and Lawson, they're in the plane together. There's a spaceship that's shooting at them. It's Cree. There's the Cree. They're the bad guys. They're shooting. No. Ah. The Cree are after them because they also want Lawson's light speed technology. Uh, and we learn here that Lawson is actually named Marvell. Then we learn that it was Jude Law's character, whose name I always forget, Jan Rog. Um, who killed Lawson. So in this flashback, Carol Danvers needs to destroy the plane's engine before the Kree can get to it. Uh, So when she does that, it explodes and she absorbs all of its powers, which is how she has like energy fists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns out that Marvell, a.k.a. Lawson, uh, was trying to help the Skrulls who are refugees and they're on the run from the Kree and they're, they wanted the light speed technology to be able to escape and like get out of the reaches of like Cree rule. So now Carol Danvers, Fury, mm-hmm. and Maria and Talos need to go to Lawson's laboratory somewhere in space to get the energy core for the scrolls. And then they get there and they find it and they're like, oh, by the way, it's called a tesseract. What? Oh, I learned my. that in geometry. Oh, <laughs> I was really? so excited. I was like, Mrs. Foley, you'd be so proud. Which <laughs> which Marvel movie do we first learn about the Tesseract? Oh, is that in? a thing? I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. About that. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a running thing through the Marvel movies. Yeah, oh. I just couldn't remember which. 
I guess it's a bigger plot point in the first Avengers movie. Right. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Got it. Cool. 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 And they keep it in a in a retro lunchbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Fonz. Ever like, heard of them? <laughs> reference a property. Sure. And then at this space laboratory, Talos's family is there, and there's like this nice little reunion. And then Yon Rog and the other Kree show up. Yon Rog Jude Law. Jude Law. Yes. And there's a big fight, and Carol Danvers fully realizes her powers because she takes off her inhibitor chip, basically. I wonder if this unlike... is a metaphor for something. Now, I, th- I know that <laughs> this is all very subtle stuff going on. And I was like, wait, when she removes the chip, what is that exactly implying? I will say I did uh, tear up during that very heavy-handed montage of fall down, get up, fall down, get right. up. And I, I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't want to be crying. But, but here we I'm are. I'm crying, and so is everyone else. Well, remember who else has an inhibitor chip, Jamie? Go on. Is Doc Ock in Spider-Man I 2. Know. <laughs> well, I know. Well, where was, where was his montage? Right? We Give don't. Alfred his montage. <laughs> I, I would just like to say at this point that as much as I thought Ben Mendelsohn was excellent, I couldn't help thinking to myself, Alfred Molina would have made a great Talos. That was my pick, too. Oh, I <laughs> totally agree. He would have He would have been terrific. They got to welcome him back into the MCU. Yeah. Yes. Oh, for where sure. is he's? He's around. If he'll he's hang around. out with us, he should be back in the MCU. Agree. Yeah. During the fight, you know, Carol's getting more powerful, and then she defeats the Kree. And at the end, she gives Fury a new and improved beeper, which we see in Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she goes off with the scrolls, and that is pretty much the story except for the after credits scenes which i didn't understand because oh sure i don't watch the movies <laughs> so the after credit scene for like, oh all the chrises are back <laughs> the chrises are there it's too much to explain it's but... fine we're, we're, we're gonna do an avengers episode i against uh all odds i will end up knowing what these movies mean <laughs> at some point <laughs> Um, I can't wait for you to do that. Sure. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, (laughs) Well, let's take a quick break, and then we will come right back to discuss the movie. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic 
treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So, Carolyn, initial thoughts. Yes, as, you are as, the as an expert on this topic of superheroes who are women, how did this movie strike you? What are your feelings about it? Well, in my research, I do like what my book basically is is like a history of female superheroes over the last 75 years mm-hmm. in comics and novels and TV and movies. And when you look across that big sweep, you basically find that they're underrepresented. What? I know it's hard to believe. Hold on to your hats, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) They're wildly underrepresented. They're Mm -hmm. stereotyped and they're sexualized and they're generally like side characters. Right. Yes, there are exceptions to that, but I'm talking like literally 90% of the time. Oh, yes. That is what they are. Uh So the way that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers is portrayed in this movie is women are none of these things. So that's like a big win right Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So number one, it centers a woman. Number two, she's wearing actual clothes. And so are the other women. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm including flat shoes. She's got women around her who are inspiring her. There's no hetero romance happening. Mm -hmm. No, that like sidetracks her plot. And it's about a woman who has grown up a woman and has had experiences that women have coming into her own power. So I think all of those things make it unfortunately, very, very different from most Hollywood movies. I mean, just the previews that were before this movie <laughs> was yeah. like yeah. painful. There, One of them was um, 
Charlize Theron is running for president or something. Oh, and like starts dating Seth Rogen. God, (laughs) what sort of cosmic punishment landed Charlize (laughs) Theron in this movie? I just, my heart goes out to whatever sinister deal. (laughs) But that was just the perfect example of, it's like they're ostensibly making her this strong character, but really the whole movie is about her and schlubby Seth Rogen taking her to a bar and doing shots. And, you know, it's just, why? 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 How many times is that going to happen in a movie where a perfectly good female character is just has her life absolutely ruined and derailed by a Seth Rogen character? (laughs) By Seth Rogen specifically. It's practically a (laughs) subgenre. It's like... (laughs) Anyways. Yes. So this movie, unlike nearly every single superhero movie to date, does mostly the opposite of everything that those movies do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and the and the lack of a romantic subplot is huge. Mm-hmm. That never happens. Right. Are there usually romantic subplots in male-driven movies as well with underwritten female characters? <laughs> I mean, if they're going to rescue them, yes. Right. Right. Okay. And and you truly don't miss it. <laughs> like there's no there's no room for it. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, she's she's busy. Yeah. In more recent comics, she has kind of an on and off relationship with Rhodey, who you saw in the post credit sequence, John Cheadle. Oh. oh. Okay. Right. 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 All right. You know, maybe they'll give a glance to each other in the Avengers movie or something. Okay. I don't know. That's a rather glaring age difference, but they couldn't have known. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure Don Cheadle could be Brie Larson's father. But who am I to do? <laughs> Just touching on that a little bit more. From what I remember of, because I think I've seen, not to brag, I believe I've seen every single MCU movie to date. I wouldn't call myself an expert. I'm not super because I've only seen each of them probably once, maybe twice at the most, um, with the exception of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I did (laughs) see five times in theaters. Um, But it doesn't feel like it's not a part of the MCU. Like, I don't I mean, maybe they'll bring animated Miles Morales into Avengers Endgame, but I don't think so. But they should. But yeah, I think most of them, because they're all they've all centered around male superheroes until Captain Marvel, I would say most of them do have a romantic subplot. Yeah. But that just means that there's like a woman in the story, but she's only there to further characterize the men and to be the Mm -hmm. romantic interest. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just to contextualize the movie a little bit. I think it's like worth discussing a little bit what the climate in case you're listening to this episode many years from now which people will do which this is just gonna go on forever (laughs) uh but um the reception i feel like it's almost standard fare for uh, a woman being introduced into a large property or like we can you know revisit wonder woman we can revisit uh the the ghostbusters reboot of just uh prior to this movie's release uh men absolutely furious mm-hmm. people who are who are fans of comics and and not everyone because this movie's doing incredibly well um but there there is a faction of comic book fans who like there was a like a concerted campaign to just ruin this movie's Rotten Tomatoes movie before anyone had seen it. Yes. Um, a lot of that, I think, also has to do with the casting of Brie Larson, which I think is 
almost a statement in itself because she's really outspoken on uh, women's issues and mm-hmm. intersectionality. And she, in in my book, does a, a generally good job in, in giving care to all of, all of those things. And so they don't, they don't like her. Mm-hmm. Her casting is a statement in itself. And uh, there is just a lot of, I guess, unsurprising controversy before this movie came out right. at all. I guess it's hard to know where to start here. Yeah, because, um, I mean, it does mostly everything mostly right, I would say. Like, there wasn't anything hugely glaring to me. There are a few kind of nitpicky things I want to talk about. But there, there is the reading of this movie that is like the kids I was sitting next to were thrilled. And if I saw this movie when I was, you know, seven or eight years old, I would be over the moon obsessed. I think it's great overall yeah doing the like you know Bechtel into there were parts of it that felt like a Dove soap commercial is something (laughs) that uh writer Jess Joho said in a Mashable piece that I think is worth reading I don't agree with everything it's saying but um she's very smart and there there are some clear plays made in this movie down to the choice of like, no doubts. I'm just a girl playing in the climactic scene, which did make me uh, roll my eyes directly back into my head. Uh, (laughs) There there are some things that feel like, okay, like this was, this was an easy choice to make some of those more broad choices. I was Mm -hmm. like, I mean, uh, I, I tend to find it a little bit like, uh, hashtag feminism versus actual feminism, but... I see what you're saying. That climactic fight sequence with that specific song pretty much worked for me because I was like, yay, it's fun, and she's kicking ass and stuff. But yes, I do see Right, but it's saying. still like... It feels a little... I don't know. I'm just like, we're draw- we're still drawing attention to the fact that it's like, she's it's doing what woman. the boys can do. Right. Um, which is another thing that, I mean... I guess this is just like a general critique of like she's we're always shown like how strong she is next to men and she's like fighting men and it's still like men are the yardstick that she's measured against which is true to life but it's just in in terms of like moving things forward that I'm just like I I don't I I guess it's like we need to crawl before we can walk kind of thing so like hopefully in the years to come we see the much needed better representation of I mean women in general in all media but then also specifically in superhero movies where like a woman kicking ass and fighting and being strong is just has just been so normalized that we we don't need to draw attention to the fact that she's a woman and that she's fighting like the boys and she can fight men and we're not and I think that that is done not very frequently but I think that that is done in movies sometimes without being like girl doing thing look (laughs) Um, but I don't know I mean I guess that that's sort of what this this movie's narrative is is hinged around but there there were there were a few moments where it was like it just felt more like a strategic corporate play versus a genuine thing sure I don't know yeah. I, th- I think it's I think it can be both. I mean, I think what the three of us are seeing as crawling, other people see as running. You know? Right. Like, sure. Like totally. We, like we think this is, for instance, a number of times where she's told where Carol is told, you know, control your emotions. Nothing is more dangerous than emotion. Mm-hmm. You have to have the strength to kick. Right. So it's maybe five or six times. To me, that's a lot. But to other people in the audience, 
maybe they didn't even hear it till the fifth time. Sure. Yeah, sure. So I'm willing to, I'm, I'm willing to let that go. And certainly the, I'm just a girl. I was like, wow, that is super duper on the nose. Okay. <laughs> Very on the nose. <laughs> but, but my 12 year old would think that that is the most awesome thing ever. Right. So right. I have the brain of a 12 year old. Got it. <laughs> that is accurate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, no, I'm yeah. saying that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think it did this just like the, the reading will depend on the audience because you're totally right, Carolyn, if there's, you know, a very subtle, you know, feminist undertone, then maybe a lot of people wouldn't have picked up on it. And <laughs> It's also, I mean, these kinds of things, even in the sixties and seventies, she did have these kinds of moments in the comics that again, I think were, they were written by men, drawn by men. And I think they, they were trying. Um, they look totally like cardboard to us now, you know, <laughs> like they're, like they're setting up this straw man and knocking it down. But like, there's a thing about how she joins the air force because uh, her father tells her that he'll only pay for her brother to go to college and not her because women don't, shouldn't go to college. Right. And that was not an unusual thing in, you know, 1977 or whatever. Right. <laughs> or where she's introduced as this is my security chief, Carol Danvers, man or woman. She's the best there is. And it's like, hmm. to us now, it's like, why do you have to draw attention to that? Right. But, then in 19 that was 67 that was a big deal right right yes um, so there is i i feel i guess just to to wrap up the that area of critique uh, i would also lump in a few of the lines that men say to her that are just like okay like the oh, it's not called a cockpit for nothing you're right. like okay <laughs> we get it because only uh, get it. penises Cock. can be in a cockpit. Cock. <laughs> uh, the, you know, and, but it's fun when, or, or when he's like, why don't you smile? Like there's some, yeah. some real general, some just some very generalized misogyny. Sure. Um, employed. But it, but again, it's like for a family film, which this is, I think that that works mm-hmm. um and it is cool that she steals his motorcycle yes yeah <laughs> you should smile more and do you remember when the first trailer came out all those trolls that you were talking about were writing why doesn't brie larson smile in the trailer she's just so cold she she oh yeah. gosh yeah i i hope they added it after that i don't know if they did or not mm. i i just love brie larson so much she's great um can we talk yeah. more about Carol Danvers's emotions um, mm-hmm. because yes. okay so as we hinted at it's mostly Jude Law's character tells her that she's emotional and she needs to control her emotions and emotions are so dangerous to a soldier and all this stuff right I think I don't know if this is just sort of like badly done storytelling but there's really nothing about that character that actually indicates that she she's very is emotional. too emotional i feel we're th- told that a lot but i didn't really see that i kind of felt the same way like we never see i wonder how like specific a decision that was or if it was just an oversight but it feels like an intentional decision because that's like one of the moments where they're saying all the right things but it's like in the story we don't really see her react emotionally unless you count those small moments when she's fighting jude law and she's pissed off at him and then he's like control your emotion but that's like such that's so small right and that's like happening in like a controlled environment like there's no like big battle scenes where she like quote loses control of her emotions and then pays a penalty for it so like 
the care and it's also yeah i mean in <laughs> carol in general it, like it, it takes her so long into the movie to be interested in who she is as well i don't know there there's some strange things I, I the emotionality thing confused me i would have liked to see that character get emotional about something that's something that superheroes don't do especially if they could handle it in narrative of like this is not a weakness right um expressing your emotions you can come at that from the soldier perspective too of like repressed emotions equals ptsd for life right you know but there, yeah it didn't really touch on it yeah i think before i saw the movie i had at least seen like the title of an article that was that was talking about her emotions and how like the the movie is painting her as this emotional character so I was worried that that was going to be her arc where like she's too emotional because she is a woman and women be emotional and that her arc would have to be her learning to control those emotions right and that's what like enables her to win I think the opposite happens where she isn't very emotional at all in the beginning of the movie and then when she starts to learn about her past and her former identity and the fact that she had been betrayed by Jude Law's character and all of that and that she's reunited with like her best friend and I mean, her best friend's daughter like those are the things that you do see some that, emotion in in those scenes yeah, yeah and that and those things kind of like humanize her because up until that point she had been kind of like a like a stiff you know like stoic hero type and then she becomes more humanized and more emotional and that's what kind of leads her to realize oh i've been stunted this whole time there's this fucking inhibitor chip that i need to break off she's been gaslight and then right yeah yeah so i'm glad that that's how the story panned out because i like i said i was worried that it was going to be like you're so emotional and you're going to need to learn to control your emotions if you want to harness your power. But that's right. just what Jude Law tells her over and over again. Right, And he's the villain because he's got resting villain face. <laughs> he's got like <laughs> yellow contacts in. So he's therefore got... he's bad. <laughs> yeah. He's got jaundice. He can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the first time I saw it twice. Also, the first mm-hmm. time I saw it, I had that issue as well. I felt like in a number of places, she seemed very flat and controlled to me. Yeah. And I am also coming from a different perspective, which is I've read all these comics where from really when she's introduced all the way up through today, she is emotional. Mm -hmm. She has a temper. She punches first and asks questions later. Mm -hmm. She goes with her gut all the time. She's very loving, but she's also self-righteous and funny and you know I mean she just doesn't take any crap from anybody so I was assuming I was going to see that immediately and I was disappointed at first because I felt like what you said where you just kind of see it a little more and a little more and a little more as it goes along Mm -hmm. and then I thought about it more before I saw it the second time and the second time I felt more like I could see what I think they were trying to do which is that And one of the first things she says is like, she makes a joke to Jude Law and he's like, humor is a distraction, control yourself. Mm -hmm. And then she, they're going on a mission and she is joking and he comes on and says, you know, stop that right now. So like, she's always leaking out these little things and being told to stop. And then when she gets to earth, it's different because like she can joke with Nick Fury and whatever, and she can be emotional with. So I think that what they were trying to do is say, you know, this, this is who she is, but she's been 
kept down in the beginning that whenever she's around Cree, she can't show that. Mm -hmm. And she's been trained for six years not to show it, but she can't help it because this is who she is. She's human. Right. Shaped by experience. Yeah. So I, I think that's what they were going for, but I agree with you that it's not always effective. It will almost hold you away from her, from grabbing onto her Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, especially. Totally. Cause I, well, so I found myself, expecting to have a much stronger emotional connection to this movie because at least when I saw like Wonder Woman I was like oh my god it's a woman and she's kicking ass and she's walking through no man's land and there's epic music and I'm just crying and all this stuff I didn't have any such emotional connection to this movie I had, again, I had a much stronger emotional connection to Spider-Verse. I was like crying at four different parts. I'm like laughing the whole time. It's just like, and then with with Captain Marvel, I'm just like, okay, it's cool that I'm seeing on screen this like strong woman kicking ass. But I mean, yeah, I guess my only counter argument to that would be like, I felt I felt more connected to her than I ever have to like any male superhero. Maybe I just need to see Spider-Verse, but there, uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weird. She, I, I feel like she's almost as emotionally detached as a male superhero can be. You know, like it's, I don't know. The bar is set so high for the way this character is treated in this movie because mm-hmm. there are so few movies like it. I guess there, it's it's weird. Now I I was listening back to part of our Wonder Woman episode that we did, and we were so excited, yeah, when that movie came out. But <laughs> I rewatched Wonder Woman, and as much as I still enjoy that movie, there's like a lot of stuff that uh, that movie, mm-hmm. you know. And everyone's going to compare these two movies, which is unfair and just you know mm-hmm. demonstrates a lack of comparable movie <laughs> right um, yeah but you know it's like wonder woman you got you you have a makeover sequence you have a love story that resolves the plot you've got you know there's a lot of it's weird i don't know it's uh, some at some moments when i was disappointed i'm like oh but the, i'm i'm setting the my expectations so high for this movie because right. there's just nothing else like it i don't know there i wanted to be more emotionally connected to her but also i'm just like i but maybe i don't know if that's asking more than i would have a male superhero i think the structure is a big part of it though because normally and on the one hand it's great that they took a chance with a different kind of structure like a flashback structure right and she's trying to figure out who she is i think but usually the structure for an origin story is you're meeting this person as a regular person right. and you're being grounded in their everyday life and you're seeing well in some cases that they're a good person and in other cases they're you know an arrogant millionaire and they have to be brought down by something <laughs> <laughs> That's all the men, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, or, they're, or they're frozen in ice and they need to be unfrozen. But you get the idea. So yeah. you, you you kind of follow them in their everyday life and you see that there's something heroic in them. And then by the time they, quote unquote, get their powers or they come into their heroism, you've been rooting for them for an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. And you've been you've been like invested in watching them grow. And this doesn't have that. It's not it's not linear. Totally. So it can't within you kind of build and build and build and build that you get more and more attached to her. Right. Yeah. yeah I think you're, yeah, you're really touching on one of the main reasons I didn't find myself really connecting with Carol Danvers the way 
Again, I connected with Miles Morales in Spider-Verse, but I'll stop bringing him up. Uh, but it is the greatest movie of all time. Oh um, <laughs> I just love it so much. Um, we have to take another quick break, but we will come back to discuss more. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I, I every time I get hit on a criticism like that, I'm like, oh, but if I saw this movie when I was seven, mm-hmm. I would be obsessed with her. Absolutely obsessed with her. Carolyn, you were pointing out earlier the way that she's dressed for the first time mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's things crazy. aren't she things aren't she wears layers at times <laughs> it's crazy i was like she's got three layers on she's wearing a flannel a jacket and a shirt and a Almost, nine inch nails shirt and a nine inch nails shirt like all women do. but it was it was 
that was like one thing that's like, okay, you did the easiest possible thing you could do to make the story make sense. Thank you. Right. Thank you. And thank you for not giving us a makeover montage, a a 90s inspired makeover montage, because they could have done that. They did that in World War II Wonder Woman. And that wasn't necessary, and they and they that's avoided here. I guess there's there's some of what I like about this movie is not really what it does, but what, what it avoids. Doesn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there are five credited writers on this movie, and four of them are women, yes. and that is the first time of all the DC and Marvel movies, right? And a female co-director as well. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like incredible. So it's. We sort of touched on this a little bit earlier. Something that really did work for me in this movie was the the gaslighting narrative. I thought that was really <laughs> oh, well yes. done. I didn't see that narrative coming of of you know. I mean, you can tell they're getting to some something gaslighting adjacent when we keep seeing Annette Benning and we don't know who mm-hmm. she is, and they're like, okay, you know, she's not sure of her identity or her history. Yeah. But the the twist that she's been emotionally manipulated figures it out and then is fucking furious Mm -hmm. i don't know i just like that really hit with me where she recognizes that she has been misled and manipulated for so long she does not blame herself for it which is huge yeah yeah. a, a narrative like that because that's like where a lot of people go in real life and seeing the example set of like she's like no this isn't my fault but I need to make things right with the people I have inadvertently wronged. And then she does that with mm-hmm. the scroll and and like, you know, it's like, okay, this happened. I don't blame myself, but how can we make things right? And she does, I don't know. I just thought that that was like a very well handled portion of the story. Yeah. And I liked that there was a little negging along with the gaslighting. Yeah. He says things like, without us, you're weak and you're flawed and we made you strong, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Which is like a more more of the on the nosiness. But it, I don't know. It worked for me. And that was like, I think maybe my one of my favorite storylines in the movie was her navigating a gaslighting narrative and coming out on top on her own terms. Yeah. Uh, was really mm-hmm. cool. To watch. It was also cool to watch the relationships between women in this movie. Mm-hmm. I almost wish there was a little more of that because the other female characters outside of Captain Marvel uh, seemed very much relegated to the B or C characters. Yeah. Where we've got, you know, like her BFF in this movie, mm-hmm. besides. Um, Sorry, what's her name? The, the, the uh, Maria Rambo. Besides Maria, but like, but her like implied right hand man in this movie is Nick Fury. The villain is Jude Law. The guy we think is a villain, but then isn't a villain, is also a man. And I would argue those are the three you know main characters beneath Captain Marvel, and then underneath that is Annette Bening uh, and Maria Rambo. Yeah. And I wish I, I wish that they had a little more prominence in the story. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like you only have so much space, but I like her and Maria's relationship. I wish that there were more purpose for Maria than to just, you know, give context for Captain Marvel. Yeah, she does, I suppose, have a little bit of a narrative significance toward the end whenever she is like helping to pilot the mm-hmm. aircraft right. and then to, yeah. and then is like in the battle. Although I feel like we don't really get to see much of her like fighting or kicking ass. I hope. I mean, but... I'm, I'm assuming we'll see her in the next movie as well. 
Oh, maybe. Um, um, I don't know. Well, do you mean if there's a Captain Marvel too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers. Yeah, I think that's possible. I agree with you in terms of what you're saying about the tiers of characters, but there was a moment I was struck by where um, they're flying to the floating lab, mm-hmm. and and who is in that plane is Carol and Maria and Fury and Talos, mm-hmm. and I just thought to myself, oh my god. Half of them are women and half of them are people of color. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> this is shocking. And the women are driving. Yeah. <laughs> the women are the ones piloting. Um, and I loved the uh, sidebar. I ran into a friend of the cast, Edgar Montplacier, oh, yeah. um, at the screening of this movie. And he was like, Maria's kid or Monica's Monica. He's like, yeah, she's, Monica. I think she's going to be a big part of Avengers 4. Like, he was just. You, oh. They do draw attention to Monica in a way where it's like that. She's like, I'm going to be like you someday. And it's like, okay, she's going to come back. Right. But because, sure. because this takes place in 95, by the time she's, we're in like present day Avengers time, she's yeah. an adult. She's a millennial, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what, what do you know about the character of Monica Rambeau in the comics? Do you know anything about her? I read as much of as I could of the chapter of your book, Carolyn, on... Thanks. Of course. On Captain Marvel, and I saw reference to Monica Rambeau eventually becoming Captain Marvel in some oh, of the later yeah. comic books. Cool. So, so the first Captain Marvel is Marvel, mm-hmm. who is you know Annette Bening, except in the comics he's a guy, but he right. still has that kind of semi-short gray hair. So when they showed Annette Bening with the gray hair, I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but then he dies of cancer and he doesn't come back, which is unusual in comics because everybody comes back from the dead. Right. <laughs> and then in 1982, Monica Rambeau becomes the second Captain Marvel. Ah. And it, it's not because she has anything to do with the Cree. It actually doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like she's a Harbor Patrol lieutenant and blah, 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 explosion, blah, blah, blah. And she, she basically has those kinds of powers. And the media labels her Captain Marvel. And then she meets the Avengers and they're like, why are you calling yourself Captain Marvel? And she's like, I don't know. They called me that. And they're like, well, you know, our buddy Captain Marvel just died. And she's like, no, didn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> so she's, the second, <laughs> she's the second Captain Marvel. Her uh-huh. outfit is white and black, but uh-huh. it's this, got that same star in the middle. Yeah. Oh, cool. She's, she's got uh, like natural hair. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Which is also nice. That's amazing. For back then. And um, she leads the Avengers like through into the night, into the like the late 80s and whatever. And then in the 90s, suddenly Marvel's son shows up and declares that he's Captain Marvel. And Monica's <gasps> like, okay, I guess I'll call myself Photon instead. Okay. Damn it. A man. Well, so it's just reclaiming... like, actually, I'm Jamie Loftus. I'm like, fine. <laughs> I'm Photon. What if now? Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> comes along and he's like my name has been jamie loftus this whole time <laughs> like fine i'm photon <laughs> just had to change your exactly, name to photon right? so that's why maria rambo on her plane it said maria photon rambo i think oh, so probably what they're setting up is that 20 years into the future the, when the avengers movie is taking place monica would be the right age to be photon to be okay photon. cool cool okay and to be glowing and stuff like that and so so she's Photon, and she works with other Avengers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, at that time, Carol is still Ms. Marvel, 
And then there's all kinds of stuff that happens. And she's an alcoholic. And they made her an alcoholic. So Tony Stark Iron Man could be her AA sponsor. Oh, my and- God. <laughs> comic books are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> there's drama. And oh. so it kind of goes on like that until 2012 when they relaunch her as Captain Marvel. So she's really the fourth Captain Marvel, Carol. And when they really started, I mean, it's the character really took off very quickly, but there were definitely and understandably some Monica Rambeau fans who were like, Carol Danvers is not the first female Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. Why aren't you promoting Monica? Why are all your heroes white? <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. Um, so in the comics, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who really kind of launched this version of Captain Marvel that you see in the movie, and she was a consultant on the movie and had a cameo and stuff, she made sure to kind of bring Monica Rambeau into the Captain Marvel comics. And there's this arc where the two of them work together and they're buddies and they're on a team together later and stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So they okay. should work well together. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn, can you be on every episode <laughs> of Superheroes? This is the context I crave. Yeah. Happy to help with the crazy history. (laughs) But it is, I mean, it's very telling that whenever these movies get adapted, the choices always or usually seem to be, let's make sure our heroes are male, cis, hetero, white, able-bodied. Yeah. And when you look at the number, I mean, I sort of added them up, right? So if you count all superhero movies from 2000 to 2019 and then even count the ones in development mm-hmm. about 10% star women. <laughs> and and last I checked, our world was not 90% white, cisgender, non-queer, non-disabled men. Thank God, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a nightmare that would be. And it's, it's actually about the same for superhero TV shows, the ones that are out now and the ones that are coming in the next few years. Mm-hmm. That's like 11% star women. Say, and it's about the same number in superhero comics. Very, very, very low. Yeah. Still a lot of uh, under-representation happening. And then, as I kind of hinted at before, the fact that I had not heard of or was familiar with the Captain Marvel character at -hmm. all, one of the few women who has her own comic book series in the Marvel universe, at least, is telling of how the heads of the studios and the the creators of the comic books and all and everything here's the here's have the, the priority inc- to like you know here's showcase the, here's the incredible quote from a hollywood executive from a few years ago they can always be counted upon uh quote do more lady stuff bitches love lady stuff unquote <laughs> so you know it's so weird that that and i think that that is i guess where more where i'm getting at with hashtag feminism versus actual feminism of like mm-hmm. they're doing the right thing but they're like because bitches love lady stuff <laughs> and will make 500 million dollars in three days which <laughs> I, I mean that's the get that's the game so that's what's gonna happen but yeah the bitches love lady stuff <laughs> At moments in this movie, I was like, I I see you. I see you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They also did do better, I I just want to point out, with with having more women and men of color in the cast. Yes. I, I count that about a third of the women are women of color and about a quarter of the men are men of color. Better than usual, I would say. Mm-hmm. You have, oh, I want to make sure I'm getting her name right. Gemma Chan is, she's not in this movie very, very much. Uh, no. She's also the one woman who doesn't like Captain Marvel, which I did <laughs> appreciate. Uh, yeah. You see, I, I feel like sometimes in movies that 
heavily feature women, especially for like the largest possible audience. Women are sort of all painted with one brush. They all get along. They're like, oh, we're all on the same team, like, which we are, but we're all different people. Mm -hmm. And so it was weirdly refreshing to me to, so she plays Min Irva. Oh, Um, she's one of the the Cree bad guys. Yeah, she's a Cree. And she does not like Carol at any point (laughs) in the movie. And all of their interactions was the, whatever, there's like that very superhero-y exchange during a fight where Carol's like, is this why we didn't hang out? And then Minerva's like, no, I just didn't like you. And then they keep (laughs) fighting, which is so silly. But it's like, I, I do appreciate when care is taken to, you know, show women having different kinds of relationships. You've got the sure. professional relationship of Marvell and Carol. You've got the close friendship with her and Maria. And then you've got like a contentious workplace right. uh, relationship with Minerva. Um, there's always room for more, but but it was nice to see kind of uh, different kinds of relationships. Sure. Show. And then also like the kind of like Carol ends up acting is like sort of like a surrogate co-parent of like monica Uh rambo and yeah and Uh, yeah the fact that um most of the women in this movie in fact with the exception of monica who is a child um i would all of the women in this movie are either military or women in stem or both Mm -hmm. so and we know that monica's right yeah so you know you got scientists you got soldiers you got Roles that you don't usually see women occupying in movies. So that was pretty cool. There's also the line that Maria says when Carol is like rediscovering her identity as Carol Danvers. Maria says the Air Force wasn't letting women fly combat back then. So testing Lawson's plane was the only way to fly. So they were like the, you know, the patriarchy was not letting women do things. So they found ways to get around it. And, uh, You know, I was like, cool. I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. Were there any other big big stuff you wanted to discuss? I wanted to say a word about amnesia. Sure. (laughs) Oh, oh, great. Um, I think that sometimes that can be kind of a feminized sort of state to to be in, you know, sort of gets linked with women not knowing their own minds and stuff Mm -hmm. in fiction. But it is true that it is part of her history. She's had amnesia at least three times in the comics. Oh, boy. (laughs) Carol? (laughs) I know, I know. When she was first uh, Ms. Marvel, she would, like, turn into Ms. Marvel and do superheroic stuff. And then when she turned back to Carol... She had no memory of it. Yeah. And then she has to reconcile that. Then there's another time, this is kind of the X-Men related time, where Rogue, you know Rogue from the Mm X-Men? Right. So if she touches you, she absorbs your power. Yeah. So when Rogue first appeared, she wasn't a hero. She was a villain um, with Mystique, like her her adoptive mother. And uh, Rogue absorbs Carol's power and her memories. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. And then Carol is invited to join the X-Men, but she doesn't because they also basically ask Rogue to join. And she's like, um, she took my life away. Why would I want to stay here with her? You guys are jerks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Huh. So then she has to build her memories back up. And then the third time is um, more recently where she basically has to lose her memory to save the Earth. It's a little more convoluted. Okay. But Jan, Jan Rog seems to come back and she has to fly up into space and basically have her brain kind of explode in order to save everybody. She has amnesia after that too. (laughs) One of the unique challenges with, with adaptations like this is it's like, 
you have this strong core of female writers, directors on the movie, but you're still adapting a character whose origin story was written and illustrated by men. So it's, I'm glad that there were deviations from the, the canonical lore because it's like, clearly it's like, however well-intentioned, you know, the deep seated shit gets in there. And it sounds like the, the amnesia might be one of those things. And it's, yeah, it's, it's weird having to, I mean, in, in, even, and I think it's like even more apparent in a character like Wonder Woman um, that makes it as relevant as those characters are to our culture. It's There's stuff in the DNA of the character that is, is very passive aggressive, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, men creating these stories largely, Carolyn, I, I borrowed this quote from your book from Jerry Conway, who uh-huh. his role as it pertains to Captain or Ms. Marvel is, did he create it or? He didn't create the character, but he launched the Ms. Marvel comic in 1977. Okay, got it. So he says, in response to people being like, hey, why are you a man writing this female character? And he says, at the moment, there are no thoroughly trained and qualified women writers working in the superhero comics field. Reason two is more personal. A man is writing this book because a man wants to write this book. Me. Reason three, why not a man? If the women's liberation movement means anything, it's a battle for equality of the sexes. And it's my contention that a man, properly motivated and aware of the pitfalls, can write a woman character as well as a woman. So that's what our friend Jerry Conway has to say about that. And, um, you know, he's ignoring a lot of his privilege and stuff when he says something like that. There's a um, a great fuck Jerry joke in there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fuck Jerry. (laughs) And I think I, I think that like a lot of the guys working at both Marvel and I'm I'm not saying all of them by any means, but I do think there were a number of them at the time that saw themselves as liberal progressive guys. Mm -hmm. No, they were, they were like New York city progressive guys, but like many people in the civil rights movements um, did not necessarily quite understand all the different dimensions of gendered inequalities. And what's painful to me is that even today, so it's like 40 years after he writes this thing, Mm-hmm. Um, there are still people in the big comics companies who are like, we want to hire more women and people of color, but you know, they're just not out there. And it's right. like, how can you keep, how can you keep yeah, saying yeah. this? You, you know, I mean, they just, they tend to hire who they know and they tend to mentor people who look like them, which is very common. People right. tend to mentor people who remind them of themselves at a younger age, but it just means they're reproducing that skew in who's behind the scenes like over and over exactly it's a little bit better but you know a little bit better means that maybe now i don't know 10 percent of superhero comics are written or drawn by women and it was five percent 10 years ago and mm-hmm. it was two percent 10 years before that so yeah the growth is tremendous but it's growth from a very small number to a small number right it, and it's slow crawling <laughs> it's slow Oh. Yes, yeah, still crawling. <laughs> okay, I do want to mention just one other thing quickly oh, that yeah. I was concerned about. I was concerned how they would handle the military aspect, you know, that she's so imbued with being in the Air Force and it's such a part of her identity. 
and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is always painted as someone who has a strong sense of duty, but who will buck orders if she feels like she should do that. Right. But I was worried that it would wind up being too militaristic or too much a celebration of military solutions. And I think they managed to to not do that so much. I think that they tried to show, you know, these are the costs of war and this is what happens when you have too much of a military hierarchy where sure. people are just following orders and not questioning them and stuff like that. Did you feel that way? I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anyone was so stupid to give this movie to someone like Michael Bay to direct, I think that, <laughs> like, that would not have been handled well. But yeah, I, I felt nothing about the portrayal of anything about the military struck me as being to glorify like glorification or yeah. anything like that so no no I, th- I I liked how it was treated I mm-hmm. don't know it seemed especially it's like if this is the story what is the most responsible way to tackle it and it felt like mm-hmm. that that route was taken yeah 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 for sure yeah I liked this movie god yeah. damn it Gosh darn it. it what a what a soundtrack too. I mean as a as a, a 90s kid I was like <laughs> You oh, fell for it. I fell I you yeah, fell I it. fell for it. I can't help it, you know. It was a good soundtrack. So uh hey, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Flying colors it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, there's a lot of different combinations of characters also who talk to each other that pass. We've got Carol Danvers and Maria. We've got her and Maria's daughter, Monica. We've got Maria and Monica. We've got Carol Danvers and Wendy Lawson. You know, they're talking about the Air Force. They're talking about their work, uh, their friendships, um, setting a good example. We didn't really touch on... They talk on... about parenting. They, yes. They talk about everything. Mm-hmm. And almost one... like the world. <laughs> almost like how women just talk about stuff other than men all the time <laughs> yeah there's, there's even a short exchange where the grandparents arrive to babysit monica which they totally didn't have to do so i appreciated that they did it mm-hmm. and the grandparents arrive and the grandmother is like what's going on and maria's like thanks for coming mama or whatever oh i uh somehow missed that i was probably too busy writing notes because i'm such a note head but um there is more it's more of a monologue but there's a scene where maria is telling carol like how strong she is and how awesome she is Mm -hmm. even before she had you know fire hands and we just like so rarely see like women lifting up other women in Mm -hmm. stories that i was like that's awesome i really liked that scene that's nice yeah so yeah passes uh pretty handily this movie let's rate it on our nipple scale all right. Shall we? Zero to five nipples based on its portrayal and representation of women. I think this is like a solid 4.5. Awesome. It misses a lot of the tropes and stereotypes that we've seen of women thus far in superhero movies. And that's largely because it's a woman driving the narrative, a woman whose emotional journey and whose powers we are learning about and exploring and yeah, there's no, it doesn't fall into the traps of like, a love story has to be there. And it's right. like, no, it doesn't. There's no makeover scene as we discuss stuff like that. So uh, I think it handles a lot of things well. I think I'm taking off a slight bit of nippleage for the fact that, as we discussed, after Carol Danvers, the three core characters are still men. Yeah. 
And while she does interact with women a lot, we don't know those characters as well, and they don't have as much significance narratively as the male characters. Um, so I think some adjustments could have been made to make more of the female characters a little bit more prominent in the story. Sure. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's pretty cool. I like that uh, a lot of the main characters who we do get to meet are people of color. I mean, there's no queer representation, but it's also a pretty asexual movie. So yeah, there's no you know queer romance, but there's no hetero romance either. So there's no romance. There's just no romance. So that's although some some people on the internet are uh reading carol and maria as being oh queer. they're oh, shipping that relationship okay. okay i'm down for that cool <laughs> i mean they're already basically raising a kid together so yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like... they're there and and uh it's stated outright that they're her family mm-hmm. i like that so yeah 4.5 nipples and um each and every one goes to of course goose the flurkin yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll go four on this, I think. I, I think that this movie is great for the like next generation of moviegoers. I'm really excited for kids who get to see this movie, and I'm jealous of them. Uh, I wish that mm. there had been a, more movies like this to to watch uh, when, when we were when we little were, youngsters. When we were tykes, I think that general cultural impact is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm really happy about it. I do the the nitpicky things that sort of frustrated me a little bit um, was the general approach. I I just it seemed some of the problems of that I have with it are in the DNA of the character that was written by men decades and decades ago. But just the like, look, girl can do what boy do. I kind of wish we were past that. Mm. Um, and it's a point that's been made handily so many times. And I know that there's still such a large swath of the world that doesn't believe it. Right. Um, but I just, the f- I, I don't love that being at the core of a story i would like if i you know i, I would love for a daughter niece whatever of, of mine to see an empowered female character that doesn't need to constantly prove her skills against a man mm-hmm. um but just you know move through the world as a skilled capable person and and so that that was one thing that uh i didn't love but i don't i, I don't know how that could have been avoided yeah. given how the character set up i agree i um, think that because this is such a mainstream movie as all mcu movies are going to be and a totally. lot of people who are seeing them are like you know like incel idiot boys who were like i I think they like (laughs) need to be spoon fed yeah i also don't know if any of those incels were mind were changed probably not by this but they're they're just from my super nitpicky standpoint that that was something that i was like same with the second tier male characters yeah, I wish that the secondary female characters had a little more prominence, but the the fact that they were there, I mean, I liked. I, I it's uh, progress. That they, we... <laughs> yeah, a lot of crawling in this movie. I love Brie Larson. I enjoyed her performance. I love who she is, what she stands for. She's got a goddamn Oscar, and now she's in the MCU. She's making, <laughs> she's she's making it. She's great. I also like that there is a lot of uh, female representation behind the camera in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You've got a female co-director. You've got majority female writers. You have a female composer, a female co-editor. Oh, very um, nice. So there are women involved at uh, every level in this movie, and I think it shows. Yes. Um, 
yeah, uh, I'll give it four nipples. I give two to Captain Marvel, and I'll give two to Maria. And I do think Alfred Molina should have been Ben Mendelsohn's character. <laughs> Carolyn. Well, uh, I agree with everything that you said. So I guess I'll split the difference and say four and a quarter nipples. Right on. <laughs> I feel like I'd like to give them all to the cat. But um... <laughs> well, he's got 500 and, you know, some odd left. He so. needs more. <laughs> Yeah, I give a full set of eight to the cat, to the flurkin, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I mean, I would, I'll would. i give one to Brie Larson and one to Lashana Lynch, one to Annette Benning, and one to, I can't remember the little girl's name that plays Monica. I feel bad about that. Oh, yeah. But um, so I'm holding back three quarters of a nipple. Why am I doing that? Okay, I'm holding back one quarter because when I went to imdb and counted up all the characters credited and uncredited Mm -hmm. i discovered that there were 17 women and 52 men oh so so that overall overall the cast is 25 percent women Hmm. so points taken off for that do better marvel (sighs) but i agree with everything you said about the centralized cast being more diverse and more you know, female centered. Mm -hmm. And I liked that there was pretty good representation of men and women of color too. I liked the lack of sexualization and uh, the lack of heteromance and uh, that this was a story that I agree it's more of a crawling than a running, but Mm -hmm. it maybe is a necessary first step to kind of bring people along a little bit. Not the three of us, but others who maybe are wavering a little bit on the idea of women having actual strength. Um, So I'll hold back another quarter of a nipple for what you said about how after Captain Marvel, really the other two stars are Samuel L. Jackson and Jude Law, right? And And Talos. Yeah. And then I'll hold back my third quarter of a nipple because feminist icon Alfred Molina should have been Talos. Yeah. Yeah. God. Missed opportunity. I mean, that's the real m- main conversation around this movie is like, <laughs> where was the Molina offer? Uh huh. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. But overall, I really thought they did a great job trying to juggle a lot of things and please a number of different audiences. Yeah. And and it's great that I mean, as of this recording, we're recording this the Tuesday after it came out, and it just hit five hundred million dollars. It's doing mm-hmm. super well. Mm-hmm. These movies always do super well. Yes. Make more of them. This is the biggest worldwide opening of all time for a female starring film. Ooh, amazing. The number one domestic female starring film is still Beauty and the Beast. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. I know. The crawling. Crawling. And the live crawling. action one? And, uh, yeah. But it, were, it was Beauty and the Beast worldwide, too, but Captain Marvel made more worldwide. Okay. And it's also the second largest worldwide opening among superhero movies. The first was Avengers Infinity War. Huh. That's great. Yeah. That, I mean, that's very encouraging, and I and I hope that studios will take this to heart and realize that they need to make more movies about superheroes who are women, and then also hey. just diversify mm-hmm. that as well and include women of color and queer women and mm-hmm. other marginalized groups. I really hope that we get uh, a movie with Monica now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yay! That's, that would be great. That was fun. I was glad. That I want it, Knowing like, that now, I'm like, oh, cool. They they went out of their way to set it up. I want them to, like, reboot Avengers, like, tomorrow. No, you like, don't. Soon. But hear me out. No, you don't. I'm the, exhausted. The Avengers will be 
Monica Rambo, Shuri from Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, fucking Tessa Thompson's character in Thor Ragnarok, like all those awesome women who and Miles Morales and Miles Morales, Miles Morales. yes. So like, let's get that cast out there and uh, see that movie and the new Ms. Marvel. Um, oh, who's name... I think a, a Pakistani yes, woman. Her, her name is Kamala Khan. Yes, and with, within the comics, she is like a regular girl who looks up to Captain Marvel within the universe, and that's why she takes the name Ms. Marvel. She's inspired oh, by her. Cool. But that's been it's been like a worldwide hit. It was at least for a while. It was Marvel's number one international digital seller That's and awesome. it sort of did all these ideas like you can't introduce a new character you can't introduce a female character you can't introduce a character of color you certainly can't introduce a character who's not christian but <laughs> the new ms marvel is all of that and selling like crazy awesome love it can't wait for the movie <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs> because it's like it's like hollywood you know hollywood's really changed its tune it used to say hey women need to be in subservient roles and now look at them they're saying bitches love lady stuff <laughs> Uh, progress look at that progressive statement <laughs> or ladies love bitches stuff yeah oh yeah. yeah i love bitches stuff give it a few years <laughs> they'll be saying that too <laughs> well carolyn thank you so much for coming on the pod and yeah, chatting with you. us sharing your expertise thanks so much for having me i love this show of course what would you like to plug and where can people find you online oh geez um i do have a Twitter account, which is at Carolyn Coca, which I honestly never use. So cool. if, someone, if someone wanted to get a hold of me, you should really email me. So it's Coca C, my last name and first initial, at oldwestbury.edu. Stuff that I'm working on now isn't really out yet to be seen. So I guess I would just mention again that I wrote this book called Superwomen, Gender, Power, and Representation, and that it is a history of 75 years of female superheroes with uh, some really deep dive focus on Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Captain Marvel, the women of Star Wars, the women of the X-Men and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Buy that book. It is incredible. And yeah, thanks again for thank you so much. for coming on. Well, and thank and you. Uh, to our listeners out there, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media at all the usual places at Bechtelcast. Mm-hmm. You can buy our merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. And we have a promotion going on in which yes. we are fundraising for an organization called Black, Black Girls, Girls Code. Code. Um, so if you buy our Rise of the Matriarchy shirt that can be found at tpublic.com slash stores slash Bechtel dash cast dash cares. I know that's a Good lot, <laughs> but it's on our like Twitter and uh, we'll make sure it's very accessible yeah, for we'll people make to it find. Accessible. Um, so yeah, uh, by our, that rise of the matriarchy design and uh, proceeds go to Black Girls Code. Uh, you can also sign up for our Matreon, aka Patreon, by going to patreon.com slash Bechtelcast and it's $5 a month and you get two bonus episodes every month. So yeah. Thank you again, Carolyn. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And make sure uh, just to pet your family flurkin today. (laughs) But don't hold them up near your eye. Yes. No. Don't do that. But yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's. Because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.